church family, you may be seated. It is good for me, (laughs) it is good for us to worship together, to be in his presence, not alone, but together. I am Wendy, and I am going to be wrapping up our sermon series on prayer, but rather than pick a particular prayer, I actually chose to go through the Psalms, which is the Bible's book of prayers. So we're going to come at this a little bit differently this morning. If you've never heard the Psalms referred to that way, it is because in many historical traditions, because the Jewish people often sang their shared prayers, um, that the book of Psalms is referred to as both a book of songs and a book of prayers. Just like we saw with Psalm 84 a moment ago, they can be both sang and prayed. But before we dive in, some of you don't know me, and I always wonder who is it that I'm listening to, so I'm going to do my best to just spend a moment introducing myself. I am the community outreach pastor, which means I have the joy and the privilege of connecting this CTK family to our community through partnerships of all sorts. What other fun facts could I share with you? Uh, I started attending CTK in 1997. I've been on staff for 16 years and a pastor for 12. I've grown up here. And I don't just mean the passing of time, although that would explain why I don't look 19 anymore. Um, But what I mean is, spiritually, I've grown up here. Men and women of all ages, from all walks of life, have, and still are, paving the path for me that leads to Jesus. They disciple me, they challenge me, they teach me, they love me, and I need all of that to become more like Christ. Over the years, this has become a spiritual family to me that is every bit as real and has every bit as much influence in my life as my family family. Let's see, what else could I tell you about me? Uh, I have a 21-year-old daughter named Cynthia who is studying law in New Orleans, uh, and I'm married to Chris, who you'll see worshiping by leading with his base up here from time to time. Also, if you're watching online today, he is your chat host, and you can pop in there and say hello for me. But what you might not know about my husband is that he grew up in the Episcopal Church and served as an acolyte, which means that he assisted the priest in leading people in liturgical worship. When we got married and started putting together how we would practice our faith together, I realized what a solid foundation was built into him as a kid, all those years he sat on a platform, in a robe, assisting with communion, holding the prayer book, and waiting to carry the cross. Still to this day, when we're traveling and attend an Episcopal or an Anglican church, I hear him next to me. He knows all the liturgy. All that truth is still hiding right there in his heart. He has access to all that good. The Psalms have been read, they've been sung, they've been prayed in synagogues, cathedrals, and churches for thousands of years. Our modern worship music finds its beginnings in the Psalms. We usually don't make the connection like we did this morning, but the imagery and the truth and even the lyrics of our songs come oftentimes from the Psalms and other scriptures. But whether they are sung or read or prayed during a gathering of Christians like this one, the Psalms are meant to be a form of worship that unites us. And by that I mean, as the Bible's prayer book, the Psalms have been the shared prayers of God's people from ancient Israel all the way to right now. So I grew up in a variety of churches. We were uh, Baptists for a while, Assemblies of God, Nazarene, we went to the Church of God right before I graduated high school, Uh, but none of those traditions incorporate the regular reading of the Psalms during the service. So it wasn't until I started attending Mass in my 20s that I got to experience two important functions of the church. And here's where I want to pause and be clear. I don't mean the institution of church, and I don't mean the organization of a church. I mean the body of believers who is the church have two important functions. 
First, when we voice our beliefs out loud together, we remind each other of what's true. And that is a powerful collective experience. I'm guessing at some point during the last few years, most of you have discovered that watching worship online and singing along at home is not quite the same experience as being here, surrounded by voices, as God inhabits the praises of his people. Both have value, but they are not experienced the same, amen? amen. The same is true with our prayers. The same is true as we read scripture together. The roots of this tradition go so deep. We join our voices, but also our faith, to that of Christians all over the world across many denominations over hundreds of years. And when we do, it reinforces our shared identity as the church, as the people of God. You guys know that we're a part of something much bigger than what happens here at 4173 Meridian, aren't you? We are part of a church that has been and will be into eternity. Right? Traditional churches, like the one Chris grew up in, include a reading from the Old Testament, the Psalms, the New Testament, and the Gospels every service. In fact, this Sunday, churches all over the world are going to read from Isaiah, from Romans, and from Matthew, as well as Psalm 138. And I'd actually like to lead us in joining our brothers and sisters across all those cultures, all those languages, all those time zones, in a reading of Psalm 138. I know this isn't usual around here, so you're just going to have to give it a go. So would you please stand with me? And we're going to borrow this ancient poem as our prayer. You can read from the screens or take out your Bible. It's Psalm 138. Will you pray with me? I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, where they hear when you have decreed. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. But I want to make sure that we don't forget the Psalms were actually written by people. Real human beings living real lives, having real conversations with God. They are a treasure of God's people, but they are also a beautiful gift to each of us. Sometimes we do pray them together, and other times they are searched out and whispered in the most raw, intimate moments of conversation with God. This collection of 150 poems and songs and prayers captures so many of the emotions and the experiences of being human. For centuries leading up to Jesus and centuries since, God's people have found their own experience of being human reflected in the Psalms. And right there, right there, in the middle of our joy, our sorrow, our confusion, our tantrums, our whatever, right there, the Psalms help us find God and connect to him, not in spite of, but exactly because of what's going on in us and to us and around us. 
If you've ever felt like God is far away, so distant he's almost a concept, not a person, I'm inviting you to go looking for him in the Psalms. In each and every one, we see the many facets of humanity and the unchanging reality of God. If you don't know him very well yet, or you need to remember who he is, you'll find him in the pages of the Psalms. The Psalms are also sometimes God's way of finding me. When I'm in so much pain that there are no words, or I'm flailing around with way too many words, that's when I notice that God doesn't mind sitting with me while I rant and cry and worry. But eventually, when I'm ready to listen, he points me to a psalm where I find some of my feelings right there on the page and see in black and white a clear reminder of who my God is to me. I need that kind of grounding. And then, my friends, I need to pray the psalm, not confined by the ancient words, but letting them help me express the deeper things that my soul needs to say and needs to hear. So I'm actually going to take a risk with you this morning and let you listen in as I pray for my own family. We're currently in a painful, messy season as my extended family is torn apart by the heartbreaking realities of divorce. I'm going to guess that some of you can relate. I bet I'm not the only one that's been through this. About a month ago, I met God again in the Psalms. It was that first night after things had blown up. I hadn't slept while tossing and turning as I began to see all the things that were about to be set in motion. The next morning, I woke up with an old hymn. First thing came into my head, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So I sang it to myself in the shower, bawling, and picturing myself climbing up on that rock, planting my feet and knowing it would hold. It has in the past, it will again. Then I sat down with my Bible after breakfast and turned to Psalm 62. It's one I've clung to in other difficult seasons. It's had months where it just lived up on my bathroom mirror. And the Holy Spirit knew I needed it again, so he took me back there. So, if you'll take a moment with me, we're going to put a few verses of Psalm 62 up on the screens. And I thought about, should I just pray for my family standing right here at this podium? But honestly, when I think about what's going on, I don't feel like standing. I feel like crying. <laughs> and I did a bunch in the last service. But I also feel like taking a knee to the one who can do what none of us can. So I'm going to wander over to the prayer bench. I'm going to grab my Bible that I left over there. And I'm going to pray for my family. And I would ask church family, who's been doing life with me for decades, would you be willing, silently, in your heart, to pray with me for my family? Let's pray. Jesus, I find my rest in you. Rest from my worries. Rest from my fixing. Rest from my anger. My hope comes from you alone. You are my solid rock, our salvation. Tucked into you, my fortress that holds, I will not be shaken. God, when I feel helpless watching those that I love hurt and hurt each other, would you bring me back to the mighty rock? 
I will trust you at all times. When trust is being broken all around me, I know that you are faithful. Thank you, God, that in you I will always have a safe place to pour out my heart. I don't know what's going to happen, and I wish I could have it my way. I wish there were guarantees. But this I do know to be true. You've proven it over and over in my life. Power belongs to you, God. You always have move. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. I'm ungrateful. I'm grateful, Lord, for your rock. I'm grateful, Lord, that you never leave. Thank you for your constant love. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I thank you for for always allowing us to be not just your pastors, but part of your church. Thank you for always holding us up and for praying with us. Last service, it was worse. They had to bring me Kleenex, but I think we're going to make it this time. (laughs) Okay, but before we're done this morning, I actually want to make sure that you feel like the Psalms are accessible to you, that they're available, that when you need them, you know how to get to the one that fits for today, so that when you run out of words, you can borrow the Psalms, and when you're on sinking sand, you can find your ground. So I'm going to give you three super practical ways to do that. And the first one could not be more straightforward. Here it is. Magnificent, obvious, read a psalm a day. There's 150 of them. You'll get through it if you do one a day, about twice a year. But that's how we become familiar with the good stuff that's in there. In fact, it's essential to our discipleship, to our ability to follow Jesus anywhere. This idea of hiding God's word in our heart, like it says in Psalm 119. Many people take that to mean memorizing scripture, and it sure does, but I think it also means all the different ways that we digest and mull over, that we spend time with and receive God's truth. The Bible is, after all, the foundation on which we build our lives. For example, I just finished reading Christ in the Psalms. It's a book by Patrick Henry Reardon, a pastor in Chicago, and reading and reflecting on one psalm a day for the past six months I now have a better understanding of the hundred plus times that the Psalms are quoted in the New Testament. It was so amazing to see all the foreshadowing of Jesus and his church written so long ago in the Psalms. Pastor and theologian Tim Keller also makes this his regular practice. Listen to his advice. You don't have to literally take the Psalm and turn it into a prayer, though that can often be very powerful. Just reading all the Psalms every month all the way through And then praying after you read one absolutely changes your vocabulary, your language, your attitude. On the one hand, the Psalms actually show you that you can be very unhappy in God's presence. In a sense, they give you the permission to pour out your complaints in a way that, if it wasn't for the Psalms, we might think inappropriate. But on the other hand, the Psalms demand that in the end, you bow to the sovereignty of God in a way that modern culture might not lead you to believe. So the first suggestion is simple. Get in there. Start reading a psalm a day. The second is utterly practical. As you finish reading the psalm, ask yourself, what are the emotions I see present, and what situation is this psalmist in? With that simple method of categorizing, you can start your own little directory so that the psalm you need on any given day is findable. 
I'm going to show you mine. This is my first grown-up Bible. I got it age 10 after being baptized. It has my little kid scribbles in it. And right here at the top it says, Where to find Psalms of Instruction, spelled with a K, Psalm 1, 19, and 39. And then where to find Psalms of Praise, Thanks, Repentance, Trust, Hope. You get the idea. Right? It's, it's not a tricky system. But it works real well when you need it. So there's read a psalm, keep track of them so you can find them. My last suggestion is an ancient practice called the daily office that is simple but takes intentionality. And rather than explain the Latin roots for that strange name, I'm just going to translate it into modern Wendy speak. I call them daily prayer pauses. And the pause is actually the key. Let me read a bit from author Pete Scazzaro who explains it this way. Most Christians today are struggling especially when it comes to spending time with God. We are scattered, fragmented, uncentered, physically, spiritually, and emotionally tired. When we aren't very intentional about spending time with Jesus, we get stuck, existing in a shallow spirituality. This spiritual practice of the daily office, when crafted to fit our unique personalities, life situations, and schedules, offers us an anchor powerful enough to slow us down amidst the unceasing demands of life. King David, Daniel, the Jews at the time of Jesus, and his disciples after the resurrection all practiced set times of prayer throughout the day as a way to keep their lives centered on God's invitation to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. They realized that stopping to be with God was the key to creating a continual and easy familiarity with his presence the rest of the day. So when it boils down, daily prayer pauses mean slowing down enough to notice what's going on with you and then being honest about that with God and then the almighty pause. Wait and hear what he has to say. Scripture's a great starting point for these pauses. Currently, I'm going through a book called prayer, Breath as Prayer, sitting quietly, repeating a verse from Psalms as I use slow, deep breaths to slow down my mind and my body. And then I'm actually able to hear God's whisper a little better. A friend of mine recently told me about her prayer pauses during a really stressful time of conflict and frustration at work. She memorized the first two verses of Psalm 120, which say, I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and deceitful tongues. She would pray those words every morning as she drove to work, and every evening as she came home, and every night as she handed it all back to God and went to sleep. She described to me how over time God helped her to see various layers of the lies that were at play, not just the ones she could identify in others, but the ones God could identify in her, and even in the organization that she works in. As you might imagine, as she left space for God, he had plenty of wisdom to offer. Sometimes a word for that day or a warning or his perspective on a person or an invitation to an interaction. She found herself in the psalm, and then God met her there. The foundation we build by praying the psalms can shape our day-to-day -day lives. It hides God's truth in our hearts so that it's there when we need it. So we've talked about how the psalms, when we are together, are a form of worship that unites us as God's people, that defines us as the church. We've also talked about how the psalms are very available to us in each moment of our life, 
person to person, day to day, and we find ourselves there. But now I'd like to talk for a little bit about how we center our prayers for others, which we often call intercession. How do we center those prayers for others on that same solid foundation of God's truth? Handy, helpful little hint here. If you pray for someone from scripture, it's a great way to avoid telling God what to do instead of seeking his perspective, which we're all a little bit prone to. But let's be honest, not all verses fit in every situation. And that's why we always need to partner with the Holy Spirit and seek his wisdom and his heart for the situation. And this, again, is where if we have spent time already reading and praying the Psalms for ourselves, there's more truth on our mental shelves, so to speak, that God can pull from, can bring to mind. It was like me with Psalm 62. I'd stared at that a lot during other seasons of my life, so he could say, Hey, Wendy, 62, it's still true. Get it back out. (laughs) So here's what I've done. I've invited a couple of friends to join me today. And first up, church, would you welcome Jake Haruza? Yeah, hello, Jake. Jake has been faithfully serving our North Bay congregation in student ministries for the past year, and we're intrigued and excited that God's called him to the Bellingham campus to be our new pastor for young adults. So welcome, Jake. Yeah. Awesome. Answer to prayer. And more to come on that this fall. But two things I already know about Jake is that he is a man who knows his Bible and follows the leading of the Spirit. So I asked him if he would spend some time just listening to the Lord and finding a psalm that mirrors God's heart for the part of our church family who's about to head off to go camp Labor Day weekend. Every student, every leader, every adult helper. If you don't know what go camp is, it's a special time right before school gets started where uh, middle and high schoolers head out to Camp Furwood uh, to spend time with Jesus and a community who knows and follows him. So I'm going to ask if you're comfortable as Jake prays, would you extend a hand of blessing as an outward sign that you're joining your prayers to his, interceding for all that God intends to do this coming weekend out at the Firwood. Would you join me as I pray Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3? Blessed are the students who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But blessed are the students whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And blessed are the students who meditate on God's law day and night. Father, will you teach our students to delight in you and meditate on your law of love? Father, I ask that as our students encounter your presence, that they would be like well-watered trees that are planted by streams of water. And may they bring forth good fruit in season and their leaves never wither. I ask that our students prosper as they discover their identity through the power and love of your spirit. Father, we entrust you with our students during Go Camp, and would you root them in your love and reveal Jesus to them. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jake. So let me go back to this idea of intercession, praying for others, and where we see it in the Bible. There are certainly times we see people praying for other people, Like, uh, a good example would be Mordecai and all of his neighbors huddling up to pray for Esther as she gets ready to go to the king. We also have numerous passages where someone is praying for a particular group of believers in a specific city, like Jake just did for our Go Campers. And we see men and women of God interceding on a much bigger scale for their city, for their nation, for the whole of humanity. And that's the last way I'd like us to engage the Psalms this morning. Right now, today... 
there are almost 46 million people who have been forcibly displaced from their homes. 46 million mothers, kids, grandparents, brothers, cousins who can't go home, either because their home isn't there or their home isn't safe. International law calls them refugees. The Bible calls them foreigners, strangers, or aliens, depending on the translation. But the concept is the same. Those who've been displaced by forces much greater than they have any control over, whether that's war or famine, ethnic cleansing, corruption. Of those 46 million refugees, 5 million are those you watched on the news flooding the airports trying to escape tyranny when Afghanistan's capital fell in 2021. Just short months later, we all watched in horror as Ukraine was invaded in 2022, and now 8 million Ukrainians have been pushed out of their homes and towns by the destruction of war. Do you still remember the waves of Syrian refugees washing up on the shores of Europe in 2011? That was 12 years ago, and to date, over 12 million Syrians have lost their home, their place, and many are still far from being resettled. It all feels too big, doesn't it? Too painful. It can be overwhelming to really let yourself take in the suffering of so many. But even in those dark places, we can turn to the Psalms to give voice to our fears and sorrows and to find hope in Christ alone. The second friend I'm going to ask to join me is Melissa. She's a good friend and a faithful follower of Jesus, a member of our church council, a therapist, a wife, a mother of two little guys who are a lot of fun, and a first-generation immigrant from the Philippines. She also volunteers with three other CTKers to help me develop our partnership with World Relief, which is a Christian organization that works at every stage of displacement, preventing it where they can, bringing immediate relief in places it's happening, and resettling refugees into welcoming communities to rebuild new lives. CTK has been partnering with World Relief's New Bellingham offices since they opened in September 2021, and here's a picture of their staff the day we helped them move in. <laughs> Melissa, would you come and read Psalm 146 as our prayer over the 46 million displaced people in our world today? Would you guys bow your heads with us as we pray? Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Melissa.
ask you a tough question about that psalm? How is it that God upholds the cause of the oppressed? How does he give food to the hungry? What is the primary way that God watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow? It's us, church. It's us. We are God's main plan in this world as he's able to work through us. But I know in the face of a suffering so massive on such a scale, we can go numb if we're not careful, eventually becoming indifferent and looking away to avoid the hard truths of humanity in 2023. Ignorance is bliss, right? But Jesus did not call us to comfort or complacency. He called us to join him in making wrong things right. So when I feel overwhelmed by huge problems that our community is facing, like homelessness, or that our world is facing, like this refugee crisis, I get back in gear by starting locally. It's where we have the most influence and the most immediate impact. I also look for experts who can both inform my perspective and guide my engagement. And that's where our community partners like World Relief help us, CTK, to engage in the realities of what's around us. If God nudged you as Melissa read, if curiosity or compassion came forward for you, then I wanna invite you to a walkthrough experience called From Home to Home that we're hosting here at CTK September 11th through 15th in partnership with World Relief. It will help you get a better grasp of a displaced person's journey, and then it will give you a way to explore how you can put that compassion into action. I gotta let you know that capacity is limited and we've offered this to the whole community, so I would recommend that you get to info.ctk.church and get your spot saved if you'd like to be part of that. You can also go out and see Melissa and the rest of our planning committee for more information. Please, church, be brave. Be brave enough to choose to see suffering and move towards it. Be open to learning new things and understanding experiences that are different from your own. I promise that that right there is where you will find Jesus, working in ways you do not want to miss. Thank you in advance for choosing to engage instead of look away. One very immediate, tangible way that you can help Whatcom County turn towards the refugee crisis is by helping me set this exhibit up two Sundays from now, September 10th. It's going to take about 20 of us to get that thing put together so that those who are being nudged by the Holy Spirit can come and learn more and find out what to do next. Uh, you can sign up to be part of the team with Melissa and I out at the booth in the commons or at info.ctk.church. We'd love to have you with us. Right now, I'd like to take a moment to pray for us. And then I, I called Andy this week and said, hey, what are the chances we could close church on Sunday by singing On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand? <laughs> he said, sure. Because that imagery, straight out of Psalms, it gives me strength. As I try to love my family well in this season, and as I think about what part I can play in showing Jesus mercy and love to just a few of the refugees who are in search of home. And I wonder if there's anybody else here that's being invited to climb back onto the rock, the firm foundation of Jesus, where we can plant our feet and find our balance no matter what storms blow through life. So would you stand with me now as I pray, and then let's sing about the solid rock 
Jesus, as always, it is good to be with your church. It helps me pick up on your presence. It magnifies your truth. It is the people through which you love me and shape me and teach me. God, would you unite us as we worship you? And then would you mobilize us for the good of others? We want to be part of making wrong things right. So God, as you inhabit our praises, as we sing to you, as we pray, as we sit with you, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come to each person in the ways you exactly know they need? And would you make the invitation you have for each one so clear that their only option is to say yes or no? God, thank you for your nearness, but also I gotta say I'm really grateful for your bigness. That this stuff that seems overwhelming is not to you. Thank you so much that you are greater than anything any of us will face. We love you, Lord, because you loved us first and you love us best. In Jesus' name, amen.